Feel This with Frank and Jess. Welcome to Feel This, a series of experiential conversations between me, Jessica Olber-Singleton, and Frank D'Amato, where we explore trauma, healing, and awakening through the lens of relationship. And welcome back for part two of last week's episode. Enjoy. There is a choice of action or non-action. It doesn't say there are ills in capitalism. Just because I look at money as an energy source doesn't mean I would then say, oh, there's no problems in capitalism, (laughs) right? Like, oh my God, right? Like that those things are, you can still hold them separately and and you can still make choices. You could still be a communist who doesn't believe in cap and think that's a, you could still have that outside of a drama triangle perspective, outside of that this is some evil that you could still say, I have different value systems and I see that there's these issues and I want to do something about that. That's all has nothing to do with how deeply you believe in these narratives that can entrench you into like, you, oh, that's a good way of putting it into a victim narrative around it, rescue victim narrative around it, which is inherently yeah. a disempowered place to be. Yeah. Disempowered and reactive. As opposed to active, yeah, proactive. It's yeah, it's reactive. Okay, two things are coming up. One is more content, and one is more kind of relational. Let me take a moment with them. So I'm feeling the content one sort of fading off into the mist. So I'm just going to go with the relational one, which is, oh, look at this. We got into the dialogue around money. <laughs> how that happened. And no, not really. I, I don't know how it happened and that's okay, but rather just wanting to kind of check in with you around how you're feeling about being in the middle of this conversation. And before I do to say that I am feeling very yummy, like I'm just like, this is so cool. Because even though I know other people, I'm getting a lot out of it. Because as you feed back to me what you're hearing me say and give me some like thoughts about it, I'm getting new thoughts, right? So it's like, oh, there's movement here. There's curiosity. There's spaciousness. And that's a content aside. That's a big piece of what I was hoping might come from this conversation, which then leads me to an awareness of the listener who hopefully is bouncing off of the things I'm saying and you're saying that's bringing them thoughts if they have curiosity about their relationship with money or power or whatever sort of things it relates to them uh, about. So it's feeling really good to me. And I, I caught that bit of content, which I can come back to, but I'm curious like how you're feeling about the conversation or if you have any awareness of that task part that was really kind of hot and bothered earlier. 
Yeah, that's not here. I feel excited. There's an edge, like excitement on my left side. And on my right, I could really feel into this very thin veil of a part that is slightly critical of, it's kind of a similar one, is what I'm saying, having value. It It's a little less trustful. Some of the things I'm saying are extrapolations that are just based on my experience and what I've gone through. So that part, there's a part of my right that's like, yeah, that's all well and good. What, how you see it now, but the value, like move towards your experience, move towards your experience. And so that part is nudging me towards just kind of going back to the narrative and what I, where I was, what I did, you know, the kind of what it was like to do the work on it. And then these perspectives that I'm offering are coming from having gone through that and re released a lot of the burdens around money, released a lot of the stories. And then I just have a lot more clarity around it. But there's a part nudging me that's like, oh, you're just telling, you're giving people the view that you have now, which can be valuable. Although I think that part distrusts it a little bit. And not to distrust it, there's something there I, which I can go into, but it's a little it's a little off topic of money. It's a little bit more parts related. So at any rate, there's something I want to, I feel excited. I feel, I don't feel any of the task part. This just feels fine. I feel a little self-critical energy. That's like, is what you're saying good enough? Go back to your experience. And there, I do have a genuine want for that. So that's where I am. And is the, just to clarify, is the going back to your experience sort of leaving this realm of sort of making larger statements about money and kind of coming back to like these things I'm talking about, this is what they look like and how they show up in my life, which is. More of a, yeah. my journey around this, like going back to where I started, like, okay, this is. Okay. Jumped, I was kind of giving you the snapshot of the before picture where I was and then getting, yeah, I was just kind of giving you the narrative of the journey and that's the wanting to go back to that. Okay. I think that would be really cool. It's what I'm seeing so far is like, you gave me an opportunity to express some specific stories, which in a larger sense just points out energy or rather money is an energy like fire, right? It can burn you or it can cook your food right? It can keep you from dying in the winter or you can burn your house down or whatever, right? It's an energy and how we can get into the drama triangle in any number of ways around it and lose our sense of empowerment. And now I'm hearing like, so we've all kind of had an opportunity, the listener, me to enter into our personal sense of this is what I'm bringing to this conversation. And to be able to then listen to how you made your way kind of through and off of the drama triangle and into a place of 100% responsibility and how you hold this energy sounds amazing right now. So where I was in a place of very much maybe similar to you, living below the poverty line and simply focused on 
how can I keep, how can I live with the amount of money I have? It was, you know, just always cutting back. Like you said, how did you say you're eating on eating tuna fish and what? Peanut butter. <laughs> Having to decide if I'm going to buy food or toothpaste. Yeah, I was there. So, yeah, living there. And then I was starting to make a little more money. And I would like squirrel it away. And yet, so... I would, but I would still feel stressed. Like I had no money and I would, but then I, like, I kept saying like, wait, I'm actually able to save little bits of money here and, you know, put money away or do a thing with it. But I've always kept myself, I kept myself in that state of, I don't have enough. I never have enough. And if I did spend, I would be like, oh, I could spend, but then I would feel really fearful and guilty about spending. And I'm like, oh no, that's not, you know, I'm not, I'm in danger. And I was constantly in the cycle and there was this rational part of my mind that was like, you know, I actually have more money than I think I do now. There was a time I didn't have any money, no savings. And then I started to make more money, happened to. And, but then I would set up my money in such a way that I always felt like I didn't have money. And I was like, I don't, this isn't about the money at this point. <laughs> you know, I, up until that moment, I really thought this was all an issue that was outside of me. This was either about money management or how do I make more or not spend enough or, you know, it was always something outside of me. And when I started to see that actually I was creating the space, there was no logical reason for me to feel the same type of stress, but I was still feeling it and actually doing things to recreate that I started to then move towards, I'm going to take total ownership of everything I believe about money. And then I'm going to write down every single th thing that I believe about money. And I'm going to also then look at what, where those thoughts came from and my, and particularly the emotional experiences that they were all tied with. I'm just going to take everything about money and just write down what I believe. And I'm going to write down where I got those beliefs from and any memories and events that associated with them, I'm going to make notes of those too. So I just started by writing that stuff down. But then I started, of course, once that started flooding in, all of my past history with money, my childhood, my parents fighting over money, how money was hidden, money was controlled, money was a, the bills coming in. And then the common fight was my mom saying, we have to pay these bills. And my dad screaming, fuck them. <laughs> We're not paying them anything. And my mom being like, we have to keep the lights on and I thought to give him, you know, he always said, give him half, you know, so <laughs> give him half. That was his thing. Give him half. And they would, and my mom would cry and my dad would yell. And then, and there would always be, I don't have money. It was always something to fight over. So I was going through, I had to work through all of that trauma that was really associated. It was like connected with money. So like money, here was money, but then there was all the tension around how my father tried to hold on to it and how he became like the source of the money in the household. And so there were my mom or my stepmom were always asking him for money and fighting about it. And it was really this source, super tension of control. It had hierarchy built into it and it was a lot of suffering for everyone. So I just started to look at and feel and process the trauma that was all just connected to money. 
It was like, here was the, you know, the dollar bill. And then there were all these lines going off of it, of what it meant and what it meant in our family and the emotionally traumatic experiences that were connected to that. And I just started to work through them like one at a time and just heal them by feeling them and being present to them. And then the therapeutic IFS, you know, just being with my nervous system and with the clarity of all the beliefs that I attached to money that were connected to these traumas are not true. They are beliefs that I've attached to them. They're not absolutely true. And I can heal through these experiences. So I kind of used it as my North star and just kept, if there was something that came up that felt bad towards money, quote unquote, I looked at what was that in me? Where did that stem from in me? Until I didn't feel bad about it anymore. I just felt by and large, it was just an energy source. I was, I did this work rather intensively for, I would say, maybe eight to nine months. I think that's about right, where I just was focused on money and my narratives about money. And in therapy, I was going to therapy multiple times a week, and it was a really common thing I was like working on. I also, one of the big threads this is coming to mind too now, was looking at the transgenerational nature of it. And so I started to really kind of do these journeys. They weren't medicine journeys, but they were real. They were IFS journeys, really, where I would just see all of the my my family and how they were around money and you know coming to america this kind of like immigrant narrative of experience of not having money living in hell's kitchen my grandfather my my father on both sides of my family they were extreme they were very poor and also not educated so education came into play with that and but mostly really just feeling and seeing some generations of poverty and feeling that narrative that it was beyond, I really got really deeply in touch with how bigger than me it was, that it wasn't just me. I had been born into this line of poverty with this mindset and all the associated beliefs that went along with it of the worth and all, oh, we're not good enough because we don't have money and all of that energy. It was, uh, actually, I was thinking about this in my meditation when I was thinking about talking about this. There was a, a like a repeated mantra that my father had and my stepmother had too, which was, when you're broke, you're a joke. And it was, it was kind of a joke. It was kind of, they said it kind of jokingly, but it kind of not. It was kind of rueful too. It was like, when you broke, you're a joke. They were saying it, my father used to say, but it was from experience because he was essentially homeless when I was a kid because he basically, you know, lost his place of living and he had no money and he was just staying living in the, and there was a card club where the guys would play cards and run numbers. And my dad was from the neighborhood in Brooklyn. And so he was living in the club, in the back of the club and didn't have a car and would borrow money to take a bus to come see me when I was, and this is for the ages of when I was like, I don't know, between eight and 12. And so he, you know, my, my narrative was like, my dad wanted to come see me, but he didn't have money. He didn't have a car. He had to borrow money. He was always stressed about that. So it was not only was money something to fight over. It was also something that if it wasn't there, I couldn't, he, I couldn't see my father maybe sometimes because he didn't have the money or 
he always came to see me, but we couldn't do anything that we wanted. He wanted to take me to get something to eat, but sometimes he couldn't because he didn't have the money. And if he had 20 bucks in his pocket, then he would take me. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, I also got to see if my dad had his last $20, he'd be happy to spend it on me. Right. And he did that regularly. <laughs> you know, he was doing, he would do that. But then the other side is, well, if he didn't have the $20, we didn't go to eat. And I would sit with his sadness about that and his fear about that and his shame. You know, he would tell me stories. And this is when I was at that age too. And he would tell me how he would feel like he had to grovel to ask people to borrow their car to come see me or to borrow $20 to take me to the, and how humbling and humiliating that was for him and how some people were kind and some people weren't and how he learned that. And then, so when he would say, when you're broke, you're a joke, you know, he, it wasn't coming from a light place. He understood that when you had money, people were friendly. And then when you didn't, you really got to see people's true colors around that. And, you know, he found that most of the people that he thought were friends or whatever were not. And his poverty mindset, I really got to see. And, and I also see when he started to rebound off that, he became almost obsessive about his business. And then he, which was loan sharking. And so then he would just, then it would be like, he had, he could never let himself have money. He just always loan it out because he was so afraid of going back to that. And then he kind of burnt himself out. So I kind of witnessed this whole thing, this whole, I don't know, Odyssean journey around money, you know, that, and so, yeah, I'm going to pause there. I'll take a pause there because that's a lot, but I wanted to, yeah, give a pause there. Biggest energy that was coming up for me as you were speaking was the sense of excitement to do what you did to write down my money stories. I had moments as I let that sort of curiosity and excitement of like, oh, I could do this and something would come of it as that would kind of was bubbling up. There was like, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be a rough ride, right? It's going to be a lot of feelings. It's going to be a lot of stories and other manager parts that are going to try and help <laughs> to manage all those feelings, you know, like I was like, okay, but mostly it was like a resonant sense hearing you of how powerful and big our money stories are in our lives. And I could feel that and see that as you spoke. And I had a lot of curiosity and sorry, something in me just sort of was like, wait, what? I don't know. I had a little glitch in my system. So I'm pausing with that for a moment. Yeah. I can just feel in my system how unique individual and big this is in each human, you know, maybe all their beliefs have somehow kind of been a positive thing for them. And they've never had to look at their money stuff, but that doesn't change the fact that that this is still so unique and significant in each of our lives. It feels in a way, the way I feel when I learn a personality system, one that's complex. And I think 
not so much that I'm putting people in boxes, but that getting this like window in and what an opportunity it can be for me to get to know this chapter of who I am and just a resonant sense that all the listeners have their own version of that and very grateful for you to share that because even as you spoke and I got to learn something about you over and over again, I was like, well, that's not my story. What's my story? Our stories are different here. Yeah. Yeah. Before I was doing IFS, one of the main tools I used for self-discovery and healing and kind of was writing and one of the ways I would do it was working through beliefs because what I would come to over and over was what anchors my perception of reality are the underlying beliefs with which I perceive it. And so looking at money and looking at these beliefs, so I could like literally, and you could do this with any area of your life. You could do this with relationships. You can do this with anything, any area of your life whether it's given you an issue or not, you could start to look at what do I really believe and write these simple statements out, a simple statement, as simple as you can get what a you know, belief is, that money equals self-worth, equals worth, right? Like something like that. Um, money causes problems, right? There, you know, I don't have enough. It could be personal. I, it could be abstract. Money causes this. It could be personal. I, I never have enough money. There you go. That's a belief. So I would write all those things down. And then I, what I would do, interestingly, is I would then try to make the opposite. I would write down the opposite of that belief, the complete opposite. So if, if each one of those is a really painful story, I would write down the opposite. Right. So if it was, I never have enough money, it is like, I always have enough money or I can, you know, I have more money than I know what to do with. Right. Like really, really let myself exaggerate the other side of it. And write the other side, you know, completely put the other side. And then I would take the two and I'd look at the one on the left. I never have enough money. I have more money than I know what to do with. And then I would try to create a, a belief statement that was in the middle, that was the middle way between these two, you know, and then, and there might be something like, and it usually would have a little bit of a conditional energy to it. It might be like, you know, although sometimes I don't feel like I have enough I usually have what I need, you know, something somewhere I would, and I was training my mind to not be in this, to see what the extreme negative belief that I was holding, but the extreme opposite, you know, that I might wish, but in some kind of childlike fantasy of life on the other side. But then there was this finding this middle way, this middle ground of kind of like, where would the middle space that would honor both sides of this, but be a, a comfortable living ground come from? And I just wrote those that was a, just a practice I did and I would just write it. And it, it's very powerful for me, especially kind of pre IFS when I really didn't quite have those tools, but I still think it's a tool of great value to be able to one, it, one thing it really does is it, like, it gives me that sense of hundred percent responsibility. Like everything I'm right. I'm writing down the contents of what I believe what's in my mind. And I can look at, how does that serve me? How does that impact me? When I believe this, what's the impact? When I believe that, what's the impact? If I believe something that was more in the middle, what might life, my life look like then? And just starting to look at these beliefs are within me and I could write them down and I could ch make choices about which direction I want to go. doesn't mean I could flip a switch and just make myself not feel scarcity mindset. It doesn't mean that way, but it does mean 
to I could set that north star direction and say, I I actually want to head to a place where I don't attach all these mo- these meanings to money, and then and I think it'd be important too to like name like the yeah buts that might come the yeah but money you know people there is problems with money and there is inequality and are you denying that or you're trying to avoid that by saying money is just an energy but no not, not it has nothing to do with that you, there's no reason why you can say yourself money is an energy source just like you said before just like fire that was a great analogy it's like fire fire is an energy and it could burn down your house it could burn down the whole neighborhood. And so you could say, oh my God, fire is bad, right? And then be afraid of fire and never want, but it's, it, it is what it is. It's an energy source that could harm and it could cook food and be helpful. And you need to be mindful around it. But to be clear, fire is not bad. If you have that mindset that fire is bad, you're going to be out of alignment with what reality. In the same sense, Money is an energy source. It's a system that exists. There are major, enormous issues with that that we're not denying, but it's still, at the end of the day, it's an energy source. Any narratives you're attaching to it are narratives that you're attaching to it. Doesn't mean you don't get to make choices. You get to, you could, like I said, you could choose to be a socialist or a communist. You know, all of those things could be fine, or you could choose to spend your life trying to address homelessness. And that's great. It it's just has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. In fact, doing this type of work would probably get you a lot clearer on the choices you would want to make around how you engage in a capitalistic society. It actually would make it a lot clearer how you want to choose that. So anyway. Yeah, I really like, I like everything you're saying. I'm finding value in that, in, in a lot of it, in particularly feeling value, seeing value in the writing exercise for a number of reasons. When we state a belief, which is likely to be a negative if we're struggling with whatever the topic is, and then we state its opposite, we're sort of giving, you know, the full range of all or nothing, which is how our more reactive drama triangle, oftentimes younger parts see things. So it's just acknowledging the all or nothing. And then by bringing in a middle statement that is more intentional and chosen, it's like bringing the parent into the room, the adult into the room, who ideally is not on the drama triangle, but is coming with a sense of care and more information and more balance and more gray, right? Not all black and white. It's just, it's a very simple exercise. Like you said it, and I'm going to be able to remember it when this is over. I'm not going to, I didn't have to take notes. It's like, oh, I got that. I could practice that. I could practice it at any given little moment and kind of find my way back to, is there a parent in the room? Is there an adult in the room who can be with the extremes, but not necessarily respond from the extremes? And that, that just feels really accessible and useful. Yeah. Now it feels so useful and accessible. I don't remember anything else I was thinking about. So I'll stop there. <laughs> and what's coming clear to me is I'm remembering, and this is going back about 10 years or so, but I'm remembering what it felt like writing that stuff down. And there was a markedly different felt experience of writing the beliefs that existed, the you know, kind of negative 
you know, painful beliefs that were, I never have enough, something like that. There was that, that experience. And then the other side, which had a different flavor of experience of writing the opposite of it, where it feels a little like, ooh, that would be nice, but it also feels like has the same taste of this truth, not, you know, not real, but was equally like there, like both of those were kind of there. Like you had to dust some things off, but they would, you could discover them. They were already there. The negative beliefs and the opposite, they, they, they were kind of easy to, to find. You'd have to dust and look, but they were there. But the middle one, almost every time was an act of creation. I had to take the what's on the left and take what's on the right. I had to put energy and thought. It was not already apparent. Most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, it was, I had to, it was a creative act. How do I take these two things and how do I synthesize them together? And it was, I could remember those moments and I could see my mind creating something new through that. And it's in that process that you're in a flow state, you're in a creative energy state. You're actually through an iterative dial, internal dialogue process between these extreme states, you're bringing them together you're actually creating that self-energy that so slightly different than finding the adult in the room. The, these two sides are more maturing as they relate to each other. If you could picture that, if, if there's this kind of, there's a maturation process and the adult in the room is developing in the process of taking ownership of what's happening, right? Rather than being like, oh, there's an adult here who could figure it out. It's, you know, you become that adult as you are engaging with it in the moment. And that feeling, it felt like a maturation process of really trying to make those. And also they felt more like me, like the ones on the left, I could feel more were like cultural narratives and trauma narratives that had to do with, you know, what was going on with my dad and my grandparents. And right. And on the other side, it was more like this fantasy that was in reaction to that. And all of that didn't feel like me. But when I had to go through a process of creating the middle way, that felt like me. That was a, there, there was no map for that. I was taking what was here and I was forging this middle way, my, my quote unquote, myself. And if there's something that felt truer to me, it was those statements that I kind of crafted and then was like, I choose to believe that middle one. It sounds a lot better than either one of these on the extreme. And the whole process just became... It was a releasing process in addition to doing trauma work with the and being aware of the transgenerational nature of particularly with money is very powerful because that i mean a huge part of where we come into the world financially is through our families and if they're financially well off or the family narratives around money that you're going to take that in very deeply so so i want to reflect back something i'm hearing that just in a slightly different, just the way it's coming in through my system. And then I'd like to just see how you're feeling. Cause I feel like we're probably close to wrapping up and maybe talk about that a little bit. I really like the clarification that it's not bringing the adult in the room. It's rather, as I was hearing it, allowing these two extremes to kind of grow up, to give them time and attention to grow up. And what that made me think of is there's a, I don't know if it's an analogy or a metaphor, but it's like, at some point I realized that 
you know, I've always been aware that the first books you read have more of an impression on you than probably the one you read last week to some extent, right? And the first book you read, the first, not book you read, but the very first story you're told is the story that comes through your parents. And you don't even know it's a story you're being told, but it has this huge impact. And so I was sort of seeing these two extremes as like these simple fables that are like extreme, right? Like, like children's stories often are there's something very complex and important given to you in this sort of simple fashion but they're not really necessarily your story and so giving each of those attention and awareness and self-energy which then gives you a chance to take the story you've been told and write your own story and that feels great and i feel very curious about i'm like i'm sorry i gotta go like I got to do this thing. So I feel excited about going and trying this out. Yeah. That feels really good. I feel really a lot of warmth around your excitement around this. I'm feeling a lot of my own sense of, I have a part that's like, oh yeah, I have a lot of value. I have things to share here. So there's a little moment of like, oh yeah. And a curiosity about the fear that my system feels and owning that in some ways. So just moving at a meta level of like reflection on myself in this moment, there's like a, huh. I'm aware that there is a part of me that is afraid to move towards content in general for fear of like, once I put out, the more I stray from my personal experience, the more attackable whatever is something I'm saying is. And I think I have more fear then and so there's a real pull towards moving towards, well, I'm, I'm, this is just what I'm feeling in this moment. And I can just tell you what I feel. You could have whatever reaction to that you want, but can't really, you can't deny it's what I feel, right? Or this is what I feel. Or you could, but it doesn't mean anything to me because I'm like, I just know what I feel. So there's a safety in that. And so I can tell that there's a vulnerability and an opening of saying, you know, this is some of the things I believe, you know, it's almost like taking a position. And I think for someone in my system, <laughs> for my system, who is, has a lot of conflict, trauma around conflict, taking a position is an inherently dangerous, inherently fraught place. If I don't take a position, then I'm safe because I don't have a position. I could be with, uh, you know, extreme Dem and extreme Republican, and I can just be in the room because, hey, I don't. I could tell myself I don't really have a dog in this fight because that's a safer place to be. And now I can just be at an emotional level. What are you feeling? What are you feeling? Right, and I, I can, and I know what I'm feeling, so I'm good. So there's a risk in taking a position, and I'm aware that there's kind of. There's a kind of ex exposing myself around this to say, you know, money is an energy form. I just even to say that, yeah. So I find so much value in the content that you have brought today and have brought in the past. I just want to start there. Value that I get from it. It's like something coming out of solution 
and crystallizing. And then suddenly there's something there and there's something in there being something there. I have an opportunity to learn more about myself. It's like a mirror or a, something to bump into. It's the, what it means to be a human in a lot of ways. And I find a lot of value in the ways in which I bump up against the content that you bring and you naming what you just named feels very valuable because that's something that's come up from the beginning of making this podcast in lots of, you know, specific kind of contenty ways, but I don't think I've ever heard you name it so clearly and specifically. It's like a version of three card Monty. It's always been here, but having named it now, I'm like, oh, I have some understanding of how when maybe some content comes up and you get a bit squirrely around it, you know? And I'm like, I really want to talk about this. I think there's some good stuff here. And you're like, dodge, weave, dodge, weave. Let's talk about our feelings, which is really important and valuable, but that there's this other aspect that you're going to it for the sake of it being a safer territory. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm getting that sense of oh, wow, there's so much more on the table for me here. It's so like that potential, like, oh, I have the potential to step into this, my own knowing. Like you, the listener, and you, Jess, have the potential to step into your own knowing. And what to, yeah, it's really valuable for me to make clear and explicit to you what it's like for me to start to explore this in this podcast, because that's part of what this is. I had this felt sense of potential in me for a greater Ability to share my knowledge, experience, myself, my process, all of that. I have this sense that I have value. The space will be able to hold that. I just knew that, but past that, I didn't know. And now it's coming to terms with, oh, what are all the parts and the narratives and the feelings that come up around allowing myself to mature into my, to actualize and to mature into my full natural self? The space here is providing a container for that to unfold, and it's providing an opportunity for me to kind of see and for you to see what's happening here. And I hope for you, and I hope that is true and trust that is true for the listener as well, for you that engaging with this space, co-creating this space with us, because you are co-creating this space as you're listening and you're opening to yourself that you also are having a space to have some development for yourself, some maturation, some continued growth along with us. So I'm holding all of that. It feels really good right now. Yeah. Your reflection on your awareness of that felt really good too, that you're seeing that and like, oh, like your little aha moment, like, oh, that might be what's some of the energy of what's happening when Frank dances around a subject. And yeah, I think so. And that makes sense to me. So yeah. I even have, I have more like, I'm not, I, there's more to go in the money story. <laughs> now I have the energy of, I don't want to end just yet, but we're, we're in the wrap-up period, so I don't know that it would... Yeah, I, I think it would be good to to wrap up here. Yeah, a number of probably weeks, months, 
episodes ago, you mentioned a listener sharing feedback with you around really wanting us to have some more content. Do you remember that? Yeah. And it's kind of been in the back of my mind that it caught your attention, that you saw the value in them bringing that to you and naming it so clearly. And I remember feeling excitement of sort of sensing how that landed in your system and wondering where it might go. And just right now feeling gratitude at the direct participation a listener had in this moment, you know, that we oftentimes say like, Hey listeners, if you have any feedback, let us know. And it's like, Oh, look, we got some feedback and that has been here in a way a seed growing into something, still growing into something. And that feels really powerful that in this moment, and of course, it's always more than just you and I, but I can see it clearly. And my sort of just check out at the, as we, as we conclude this discussion, it's just so much gratitude and bubbling excitement. I'm like, we did it. We talked about money. So that's kind of how I'm finding myself here at the end. Yeah, I'm, I feel a lot of curiosity. Be, one of the things that's occurred to me through the course of this, making this episode has been, it's as I came through and started to talk more and reveal more, there was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I do have a lot of that money. And of course I do. Like, I have, like when you said, like, oh, my money story is different than yours. Like, yeah, of course. I have a very particular, like, that is has been a major driving force in my life. Essentially, my father worked in finance and on a black market version of finance, but that's what he did. He made money with money. And that was, it was, money was very important. It's just kind of like it kind of doubles it kind of doubles its importance up, right? It's the thing of value and this thing that creates value, which is the na- the nature of capitalism itself, part of it. And so and all of the energies that are connected with that are really intense. So I had this like step back moment of like, oh, of course, this is like a huge deal for me. Of course, I needed to tackle it. Largely, I needed to come to some peace in living life. How could I not? I, I would have to. Where I could see other people might not. Other people might have other core things that have been put in their face. You know, suicide, race, all kinds of things. But this is one major one for me because this was my. This is what I was born into, and this is what I needed to come to terms with. So I have a very particular viewpoint stance engagement with it that has value so i just got that more like oh it was almost as if some part of me had like kind of dismissed it in some way it's just something that i got out of my way so i could live my life which was kind of it's kind of true i don't think about money in these terms as much anymore because i kind of did a lot of that work so now i'm just more focused on you know what i'm creating in my life and relationships and connections and healing and which only peripherally has a connection to money, but it's still there. So I have a real strong desire now to continue the conversation and 
because I have a more of a sense of my own value from my own personal history around this. That feels good. That feels exciting. And I was just thinking, I keep thinking about this idea. If anybody here is part of a sixth grade science project, dissolved sugar into water and then put a string in it and watched what we call rock candy form, you know, like the sugar crystallizes on the string and then you get to eat it, which is the best kind of experiment. But I was just thinking in relation to us getting a hold of some content and engaging with it, the simple little joyful thought, which is this is going to be so much easier to write up the notes for this episode than the ones where we relate emotionally and we have moods and we have connection. And it's like, dang it, what did we talk about? It was good, but I don't really know how to write a, write notes about it. So it's just something in me feels very playful and joyful. And especially like hearing you have your connection to an authentic desire to keep talking about this whether we do or not is kind of beside the point. I just feel excited that's alive in you. All right. Thank you everyone for joining us over the last two weeks, over the course of this particular episode and a little bit more because we've been talking about this for quite a while. So here we we are and here we were and we will be continuing this journey and exploration of ourselves and consciousness and relationship and awakening. We're going to continue this conversation with you and with each other next week. Awesome. This experience, I'll put it that way too, this experience of, of being human together. Sounds good. Yeah. See you next time.